0: Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome to Friday Focus. This is a new series that I'm doing where I'm taking the week's interview, which can run anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, and I'm giving you the highlight of the interview. So the intention behind it is to showcase either my favorite part of the interview because it was inspirational or it had an actionable tip that you could put into effect right away and play with yourself. Or it just had something really interesting that will leave you thinking. So I hope you enjoyed this week's Friday Focus. Here we go. So, one of the parts of the book that I found the most interesting, and you've touched upon it a little bit with the Parkinson's and the dance, is how the arts are being used to help with health disorders. You've mentioned mental illness, you know, other illnesses. Including like Alzheimer's, you share a story of a father who remembers father his son's name after hearing familiar music to him. So where are we going? I mean, is this like the way to prevent? I mean, this i don't I'm not going to have you project, but based on your research, maybe you can share an example of like just how profound the arts is to our either our mental health or our, you know our brain health, our physical health. You know, maybe one story or, or something from the research would be really helpful. Well, let me
1: tell the story of um, Connie Tamaro, who is uh, a creative arts therapist, music therapist. And um, in the 70s, I think she started to bring her guitar into residential programs with people with Alzheimer's and dementia. And the nurses would say, "Oh, Connie, that's so sweet. That's so nice." Um, but by the end of an hour, she would have people who were um, not able to speak singing the songs of their youth, and it was quite profound. I I think it's the closest thing to magic I've ever seen. When you literally someone oh, see someone awaken to "Puff the Magic Dragon," "An Amazing Grace," and "You Are My Sunshine," and um, it's just amazing. It's amazing to see. Connie caught the attention of Oliver Sacks. And Oliver Sacks also couldn't believe this and started to really do more research around it. And what uh, neurobiologists and cognitive scientists are now understanding about the role of music and autobiographical music and personalized music is that the way our brains... uh, Lay down code and encode memory when we're 14. 15, 16, 25, in those very highly salient times in our lives where we're building identity and we're making associations, those memories first are stored in the hippocampus, the short-term memory, but then they move into multiple parts of the brain uh, around emotion and around um, uh, uh, sense of self, around um, how we problem solve. And as we as we start to lose our hippocampus, which is one of the areas that tends to um, deteriorate very ar- early on dementia, uh, we're able to still pull those things, those memories, that music from other parts of our brain to wake us up, to mm-hmm. light us up, to make it recognize. And I think that might be one of the most extraordinary things that we see with um, music in particular with Parkinson's um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, because we're losing dopamine, we have to figure out our brains are sort of hacking the system and are figuring out how to call on different uh, parts of the brain to continue to have motor-based changes in gait or cognition or sleep. And this idea around quality of life really, really changes dramatically when you're able to move where you haven't been able to move before. Uh, And these are just a couple of of examples Um, also with light and sound Mm. uh, there's researchers in Boston that are studying um, they've been working in animal models and now they're moving it into clinical trials with people using light and sound, in this case, 40 hertz of sound and specific types of optogenetics to go right at amyloid and plaque. And they've gotten really amazing results. So, you know, music is sound, right? And so um, thinking about how you harness these these sensorial experiences to help to address the progression of, in this case, dementia.
0: Wow. Wow. Did you have anything to add to that?
2: No, other than Susan uh, encouraged my husband and I to share playlists now with each other of our favorite music. And that was a great recommendation. So God forbid we ever fall into a coma or something that I now understand why that would be so important is for us each to have each other's favorite music. Mm,
0: Gosh, I'm getting goosebumps from a lot of what you guys are, what you're both talking about. Um, I'm just there's a viral video of a woman who uh, is who has Alzheimer's and her grandson plays for her Swan Lake. Have you seen this? Oh I have, my god! And yeah, it's a, yeah, and her, her oh. arms start going. I just start just crying. I mean, it's just so beautiful that
2: those she, um, Yeah, immediately that music triggers this memory, and and it's the in this case, it's not just even it's not singing. It's her hands her were so beautiful. Yeah, they were they were like a young. Prima ballerina, and here is this old woman in a in a wheelchair, and yet her hand movements were as graceful as a 22 year old. It was absolutely magnificent.
0: Do you think that it's preventative? Do you think that if we're engaging, I mean, I'm not asking you to project, but it just seems that it is so powerful. If we can extend our life by 10 years just by engaging once a month for what 45 minutes, then what if we are making a daily practice? I mean, it's easy. We can hum, we can sing, right? I just just love your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think so with the Parkinson's work during COVID, uh, there's a group, uh, Mark Morris Dance Company has something called um, Dance for PD, Mm. and people would come into a dance studio all over the country, but they come in, you know, they take the train, a bus, a car, very hard to get there, um, and they dance with their peers. Mm. During COVID, they couldn't go. So Mark Morris put this up on uh, Zoom. And literally millions of people around the world started to dance. Uh, Sometimes people would dance with their family members in another country or another city or another house because they couldn't get together. And so this, in essence, became a really interesting opportunity for data. And what they saw was that people were dancing more often. They were dancing um, more times a day. And the benefits were actually increasing uh, the residual effects of um, gait and mood and sleep being better over longer periods of time. And so, you know, like we take medication every day for certain things. Why can't you take a prescription of dance every day? And, you know, we don't have the long-term answers for that yet, but I think it's pretty easy to understand that the more you do something, the more benefit, the better, you know, interest to mastery is a term in in, um, in learning. But the more you do it, the more it's going to help you feel better in, in these cases. And so I think there's something to be said for that. We think about the arts um, from the NIH's perspective, the National Institutes of Health, as complementary and integrative. And so this is not to say it's an either or, but a yeah. yes and, but for resiliency, for perfe- persec- uh, per for for protection and prevention for young children? Absolutely. The arts are helping to build strong neural pathways that create longer resiliency, that create more ability to be able to have capacities to meet whatever life brings our way. I think as interventions, they are incredibly helpful. Um, And I think as a practice, a daily practice, they help to keep us well and feeling that we have a sense of meaning. So I think there's lots of ways the arts really can help us. and a cure, you know, I think who knows, right? Who knows what the future is going to bring.
0: Yeah. Ivy, is there anything you want to add on that? Or
2: No, I, <clears throat> I would say one of my sound teachers even talks about a future where instead of taking vitamins, because um, that's vi- frequency, and that we would be having a song composed just for us that has the musical frequencies that our body needs. And so we would, we would, instead of taking vitamins, we would listen to this song that was composed, <clears throat> sorry, just to put our body back in homeostasis. So I love, I'll sign up for that world.
0: 100%. Um, I know we're coming to the end of the time and I could ask you both so many more questions, but um, I'll ask just, if is there anything that I, I mean, again, like I would love to go a little bit deeper, but <laughs> I want to be respectful of time. Is there anything I didn't ask um that you think is important to just touch upon in terms of you know why you wrote this book and getting it out there what you pe- you know you hope people take away or anything that i didn't we didn't get to touch upon that you you do want everyone listening to, to hear today
2: yeah well I w- i'll chime in first here i think that just like science has finally ingrained in us that exercising 20 minutes a day is good for our health and eight hours of sleep is good for our health we wrote this book hoping that people would understand that twenty add to your diet twenty minutes a day of doing some art activity or being the beholder of art, and it will change your health and well being.
0: Love it, Susan. And, and since
2: Ivy's
1: um, gone to the individual, I'll go to the collective. You know, the World Bank says that without strong and diverse cultures, economies can't grow, inner healing, health, and well-being suffer, and opportunities are lost. And I think because we are such social creatures that biologically evolved to belong to something greater than ourselves, we need to remember that. Um, In the book, we say art creates culture, culture creates community, and community creates humanity. So, dance more, sing more, write more, um, can really use the arts in service of your life because we're evolutionarily wired for it.
0: If you want to listen to the entire interview, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. Show notes are always available at thegoodlifecoach.com with all of the interviews also available on the podcast page. And don't forget to share your favorite interviews with your friends. Okay, bye for now.